like goddamn hippie crap. Ugh. <laughs> Radio Drone. Welcome to another Wasted Thursday Night. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Cecil T. Robot. I certainly am. Joining us again this week, because he's a regular now, is Peter, the cinemasochist. I don't know why I did that French, but just go with it. That's okay. Hey, everybody. Well, you do live in Canada, so the whole French-Canadian thing, I don't know if my mind was going there. I don't know. I, I guess. I mean, I'm nowhere near French. Um, I'm actually originally yugoslavian so I'm not even actually a Canadian person. I mean, I'm legally Canadian, but uh, that's about it. Peter, you can't indulge in this, but Cecil, you definitely can. Take the edge off. Go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME. You would get 10 free gifts. You'd get a free mystery gift, a gift for him, a gift for her, free U.S. shipping. That's why you can't do it, Peter. And you would get six free DVDs, all for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Isn't that amazing? So Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Tonight, what, what we're going to talk about is reboots. Not in the way most people think. Now, it was announced this week that Fox officially is moving forward with forward with bringing back the X-Files. Now, they keep saying it's a continuation and not a reboot, but some sources say it's a reboot and it'll be the X-Files starting all over again. I don't like this. I Mm. think bringing the X-Files back is a bad, bad idea. What do you think about? Do you want the X-Files back? No, I don't. And it's not because I don't like the X-Files. I'm actually a pretty big X-Files fan. I, I watched it back when it was a new show when I was a kid. I would watch it with my dad. Um... Back when I was 14, 15 years old, um, my dad got like the box set and uh, every like at some point every year we would rewatch the whole show. Like it was kind of a thing that my dad and I would share. And there's a lot of episodes that stand out to me, like the whole um, the whole Brian Thompson shapeshifter alien saga is just classic. And there are so many other awesome episodes like there's there's the one that's like it's like the Internet, like an Internet dude that's going on classifieds for women and the uh, the twist turns out to be that he's like absorbing them or something like so many awesome episodes and then the movies sucked the first one so much so for me because I don't even really it's so underwhelming that it feels like just a mid-season generic episode that got lost in the shuffle and then that most recent one I, I it's just one of the worst things I've ever seen and it's a shame that it even associates itself with the X-Files. So it's kind of a thing with The Simpsons where it was a brilliant show that too late in time decided to do the movie thing and is still going, even though the caliber of the writing and the performances are nowhere near the tier of what they were like the first six or seven seasons. So no, I, I don't agree with this reboot at all and I don't think they should do it. I'm kind of on the fence on this because my whole feeling is that if they're going to bring it back, I think that there should be stipulations. It should be a continuation. It should be David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson reprising their roles. Basically, I think... No Doggett and Reyes? 
Well, no, no, no. I'm I'm fine with 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 dog it and Reyes, but I'm saying like the the basically what I mean is that don't bring in you know some some other people to play these iconic characters. You know, bring the the original actors are not that much older. You know, to the point it's not like they're like in their seventies and that you know they mm-hmm. can't play the characters anymore. You know, uh, let them come back, play the characters, do it for like one season. And basically, my reasoning for that is that because the show went out ended with you know Mulder left what season six or seven or something he, and... he left in season six but then he continued to appear a couple of times in season seven yeah, so he, he was kind gone of... for eight and nine except for the series finale right that's what I'm saying like he wasn't he wasn't officially a cast member he was more or less a guest star for like that one you know season after that and then basically take that one season and do a couple of cool episodes, but like more or less round out some storylines. And I realize you're still going to have some ongoing stuff, you know, some some head scratchers and some loose ends. But are you, are, are you talking about the fact that the finale wrapped up nothing? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, well, I think that they I, I don't entirely think that they were sold that that was going to be the finale. And then it kind of like, oh, well, f- it's the finale. Oh, no, they went into that. They knew that was the series finale. Oh, well, that's and, even more and yet it was still as bad as it was. I, I think that if if they're going to do it, you know, bring back, you know, cr- get Chris Carter there, you know, as the showrunner, and bring back the writers and get it and do it right, do it really well, and let it go out on a high note. Let them kind of fix what Fox, I'm sure, had a major hand in screwing up. You know, the show that uh, that that more or less was one of the ones that helped put them on the map. So I I, I want it to come back but but i know they're not going to do that i know they're just gonna they're gonna half-ass it or they're gonna recast some people or it's just yeah it'll it'll be 90210 melrose place reboot all over again it'll be you know x files 90210 or something it's just i i i'm I'm, i want it to be good but i don't know i I just i'm not expecting it to be good Mm. and see i i don't think it can be i think and maybe this is a more philosophical but I think the X-Files can't work in a post-9-11 world. The X-Files, when it was first on the air, captured, perfectly captured, the zeitgeist of the early 1990s. The rising conspiracy theorists, you, you, know, you had the growing distrust of the government, the growing distrust of where technology was going, the internet was in its infancy. In a post-9-11 world, distrusting the government is now seen as unpatriotic. In a post-9-11 world, there are cameras everywhere. You can't just have some random guy that sees a UFO and have an episode built around that because you'd have nine different cameras having shot that UFO. The X-Files does not work in a post-9-11 world. And I think the Lone Gunman pilot is a perfect example of that. The pilot Mm. of the Lone Gunman came out six months before 9-11, and it was the government trying to hijack a 747 to crash into the World Trade Center so it would give them an excuse to go to another country to steal the oil so it would give them a call for war. Then six months later, 9-11 happens. You kind of go, you can't have those fun kind of weird conspiracies anymore. It doesn't work after Guantanamo Bay, after Torture Gate, after the NSA spying scandal. I don't think the X-Files can work. It's a 90s show that has to remain in the 90s. It, it opens itself up for more, like, 
potential storylines. They with with the internet now being so much more prevalent than it was back then with so many people filming, you know, with every, I mean everybody who has a phone has a freaking camera. So uh more footage of aliens and I think they could kind of play that angle where more people are starting to believe, you know, the whole I want to believe thing. So maybe Mulder has like a little bit of a following because he's investigating it and he kind of uh, he comes like a an icon amongst like the uh the 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 really extreme um, he, he gets invited to to speak at David Eek conventions. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I think that there there is a lot of potentials for interesting, different angles that they could play on this. And it is funny you, you'd mentioned how it was like the, you know, the beginnings of all that. Like I was one of those people. I, I wrote this to you on Facebook about how, you know, I was one of the freaking nerds that uh, had uh, AOL and would go on uh, one of the, a- the, the AOL chat rooms after the X-Files and we would talk about the freaking x-files oh my god <laughs> did you see this and that happened and, uh, and i used to freaking record the episodes on vhs and then watch them again and look for little hints and clues and stuff like i was majorly addicted to the x-files it was so good in the beginning and uh it just it did really fizzle out but but anyway but that's wasn't the point but I, I don't know i i i think it can work it's going to be a lot more work get it there but the potential is so there. I mean, it's it is a gold mine if they can do it right. Well, there's that's definitely um, that's undoubtedly there is a lot of potential. Um, if they do it right, they could really have something cool where Mulder even becomes sort of a lone gunman type character, and he's maybe got a a podcast or something, and he's sort of off the grid. But I doubt they're going to be smart and actually play up something like that. It's probably just going to be a lot of just rehashed crap. What I think the biggest problem will be is because Fringe was essentially a continuation of the X-Files without officially being it, I think they're just going to copy Fringe, which was a copy of the X-Files. And what happens when you copy a copy? It gets diluted. And mm-hmm. I think that's what this would be. This isn't the only reboot that they've tried. And when I say reboot, I mean a show that is from and of a specific era or time in in history. Right now, we're just going to talk about American shows in American history. Those tend to not translate well down the line. For instance, like, do you guys remember, probably in syndication, the old In Search Of show with Leonard Nimoy? I think so. I think I've seen a couple episodes of that. There was an episode of that that scared the hell out of me. One of the Bigfoot (laughs) ones? No, the alien one where like the lady looked out her window and she saw the she saw when she was doing uh, the, the dishes, right? Sky. Yeah, and she's and then the alien looked in her window. Yes, and... that. Oh my god, I nearly crapped myself when I first saw that. <laughs> I was te- actually. I'm just getting. I'm getting like goosebumps thinking about it now. I'm like, <laughs> oh god, it looked in the window, uh, you know. And then they were like, they went and explained it, and they were like, oh, it was light that reflected all. It was like the the Tommy uh, Lee Jones thing from Men in Black, you know, swamp gas <laughs> off of the, It was just. This most ludicrous explanation of all the things, and and they're like, oh, and it was a rubber mask that looked in the window, and I'm like, bullshit! I'm like, the freaking alien looked in the window. Well, <laughs> it's like a Sci-Fi Channel back in 2002 brought brought In Search of back, ironically enough, with the X Files, Mitch Pileggi as the new host. And in 2002, that kind of thing just doesn't work. In 1978, when Leonard Nimoy did it, it did. By 2002, it, that was a joke. You know, it's just like another one that they're threatening to bring back, although this one may actually be good, is Twin Peaks. 
they've officially announced that Showtime is picking Twin Peaks up to continue it. And considering Fire Walk With Me didn't continue a goddamn thing, I'm mm. kind of looking forward to finding out what happens there. Most of the cast is back, and David Lynch is running it again. But also, I'm a little afraid, because 2015, Twin Peaks works in the 1990s setting. I don't know if Twin Peaks can work in 2015. I mean, I love Twin Peaks. I think that was one of the most... But it's a pretty 90s show, isn't it? It is, but it, and at the same time, it was very ahead of its time for what it was in terms of writing characters, cinematography, how weird it was. Like, it was a prime example of how brilliant David Lynch is. Like, I don't know. I want to check it out. That's one that I actually am interested in seeing because I know that it's it's probably not going to last that long. They're maybe going to do like a little mini series with it at best. I'm always interested to see what David Lynch is doing. I think he's a he's a guy with a with a brain that I'd like to live in for a couple days. So I, I don't know. I, I want to see what's uh, what's going to go with that. Plus, um, his his name escapes me. What's uh, Muadib? What's his name? Kyle McLaughlin. Yes. Uh, I'll watch pretty much anything with that guy in it. So that one, that one's got me clamped by the balls. I'm going to see that one, whether it's good or not. Well, for in Kyle McLaughlin's honor, I'm going to go watch Showgirls again. So <laughs> the best pool sex scene ever. <laughs> See when David Duchovny played a woman on that show. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, Denise. Yeah. David Duchovny was Denise. There. Oh yeah, David Duchovny with that freaking hard jawline of him as a as a woman. That was that hilarious. Was his deep monotone ass voice and just yeah, the height. <laughs> The jawline. And then there was was an episode where he had to go undercover as a male, and he looked awkward for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they dressed, they they probably because they dressed him up like a woman and then dressed him up like a woman as a man, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it did. It was hoping that he, uh, I'd love it if he reprised that role in the the new Twin Peaks, just because he's, you know, he's working doing X Files, so I, I would love if, cool. I would love no, this is what I would love, Peter. If it's revealed that Denise became Fox Mulder after the change. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That would be awesome. I think I just created a new slash fiction subgenre. Ooh, hey, you know what? That would be it. See, uh originally uh, like when when she was thinking of a new name for when she became a man, it was <laughs> F A U X. You know, Twin Peaks can work. What about what about some of the other attempted ones that they came out with a couple of years ago, like The Munsters, or sorry, as it was rebooted, Mockingbird Lane, which was horrendous. I don't know who got the bright idea. You know that classic 60s sitcom that everyone likes about the monsters and it's really, really fun? Let's make that and make it hardcore serious and make all the characters straight-out murderers. That would be great. I think Mockingbird Lane missed the point so much that they weren't even trying to reboot the Munsters. To me, Mockingbird Lane was a, how can we insult the Munsters while being the Munsters? I remember it because there was a whole big like flurry about it when it came out. I thought it only made it to like a pilot. I don't it, know. It, it I... was. They aired it as a TV movie. It was a two-hour pilot that they just threw up as a TV movie called Mockingbird Lane a couple of okay. Halloweens ago. Now, my my whole thing is I, I like when reboots and remakes and all that, when they take the source material and go on a left turn with it. Like, I, I enjoy that because... But, but, but do you remember what Grandpa was like? He was the wacky vampire who had all these stories. In this one, Eddie Izzard plays him, 
and he's just looking at every human as a potential meal and is making plans to kill as many people in his neighborhood as possible because I'm a vampire and that's what I do. Right. It's and like, I, you, told, you so miss what the grandpa character is. Right. But no, but I, I like that. I like that. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I can't st- speak for the quality of it. But I like the fact that they didn't just do the whole, like, show over again. You know, give mm. it a give it a they fresh coat of paint. They did that Yeah, well, yeah what, well, Monsters Go Home and all Monsters that. Today. Monsters Today. Yeah, where they, oh, that, that's It lasted right. three seasons. I wow! I totally you totally just, forgot I, about Monsters Today, I, didn't you? I yeah, I think I I caught that in like syndication with like Small Wonder and stuff. Uh yeah, oh my god, that came because I remember how the guy who who played uh Fred Gwynn like I'm like he just it just doesn't look right. It's weird, you know. Herman was played by John Shuck, who most people might know as the Klingon prosecutor in Star Trek three and four. Well, he was, you know, he he, he knew his forehead makeup. So. <laughs> uh, I I think that uh, I I now I'm curious because now I want to track down the the pilot for this. But I I like the fact that it wasn't just a straight up the the same thing. I like the fact that they they tried to put a spin on it. But why um, even call it the Munsters if you're going to change everything? Well, they didn't. They called it yes. They, they, they cha- like they uh, tied it in with, er, with Herman is now uh, Jerry O'Connell, and he's he's like a supermodel. Herman was Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> I'm not now kidding. I gotta watch this. I'm yeah. not kidding. They, but Jerry they O'Connell, changed... like they need the, Jerry O'Connell's not that tall. They changed they put him on major everything. Okay. That's why. I, that's why I said whatever script you had that you made into Mockingbird Lane, it should have been its own thing. You don't call it the Munsters because, or like I said, they technically didn't, but their last name is Munster. It's like, it's not the Munsters. Why? Why not just, hey, there's this show about these wacky people living in this neighborhood that Grandpa wants to kill and Herman's now a supermodel for no reason? Because if they did, then one of two things would happen. Either they would get sued because they didn't buy the remake rights, like we found out with Clonus in the Island, or they would call it something else and they would distance themselves from it, but it would be close enough to the source material where people would make these kind of, you know, they would make the connections and then be like, oh, it's it's a ripoff of this, and they didn't tell anybody. So it, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. I think that, uh, you know, it, they were trying something and it didn't work. I never really watched the Munsters very much. Um, Blasphemy! I'm sorry. I'm an Adams Family guy over a Munsters guy, but I did watch. Yeah, the same. Monsters. I watched Adams. I love the Adams Family's uh, Adam, Adams Family movies and um, because the they TV felt show. right, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They absolutely did. They still kind of kept with because uh, I don't really, I can't really make a comparison with the Munsters, but I felt like every iteration of the Adams Family, even when they changed certain things, it still kind of kept with um, a similar tone. Uh, with the Munsters, though, all I really know is that one of Glenn Danzig's first hairstyles were inspired by Herman Munster because he said that in an interview, and that's really all I have to add. That's it. What about some other disastrous updatings that they've done? Now, I don't know if either of you grew up on the 60s Prisoner series, the classic Patrick McGowan 18-episode <laughs> series, which helped redefine sci-fi television for its era. And then there was that... A&E miniseries a few years ago with Ian McCullen and Jim Caviezel. It was more of an adaptation of what Lost should have been than The Prisoner. It, this isn't bad, but it's not The Prisoner. Why are you insisting that this is a reboot of The Prisoner? 
I watched a bit of the A and E one, and uh, the original one was from the seventies, right? Sixties. Sixties, and it had the um. See if I can. That had like the random white bubble that would absorb people or something. Those are those are anti-escape orbs. Yes. And that that was in it, right? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I kind of dug the sixties show. I thought that was kind of cool. Sort of different. Sort of out there. Uh, the one they were playing on A and E. Like I like Jim Caviezel. I think he's a I think he's a pretty damn good actor. Other than that, like I don't know. Um, the the A and E Prisoners was okay. Like I didn't think it was really bad or really good. It was just uh, like I can barely even remember an entire episode, but I remember watching a bit of it. But definitely the '60s one stood out a hell of a lot more. No, well the the original one uh, I didn't I didn't watch when it was on because I wasn't alive. Sometime in I believe the the yeah it had to have been the '90s. Uh, sometime in the 90s, I watched it on syndication on Sci-Fi Channel back when Sci-Fi used to run stuff like that, where they would uh, t- take the uh, the older shows and whatnot. And I remember watching it and uh, I-, I enjoyed it, but it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. I probably if I was watching it again now, it'll probably make a little more sense. I liked it, and then I, I knew enough about it to where, like, when the Simpsons lampooned it, like, I was getting the jokes. But, um, yeah, the, the koala, <laughs> mm-hmm. and everything blew the, the purple dust on their face and made them fall asleep. There were a lot of druggings on the old show, let's put it that way. Yes, but I, I knew about the Jim Caviezel one, but I never watched it, so mm-hmm. I never felt compelled enough to, to watch it, so... All right, well, what about one that I thought failed miserably and I didn't even like the original? Do you guys remember the 2003, I think it was, maybe 2005 Bionic Woman reboot, the one with Katie Sackhoff? I have the DVD box set. (laughs) I hated it. Oh, my God, was that... And and I I didn't, like I said, I didn't like the original too too much, so I, I didn't hate it because it's Bionic Woman. I thought that show was so poorly written. The characters were so cliched. I kept kind of going, is this a parody that is just played straight, or are you just this bad of a production? Oh, I wouldn't say I loved it. I liked it, and I actually bought the – I got the box set because I bought it for $6. You got but, ripped uh, off. Uh, no, it didn't. <laughs> I'm actually going to – I'm going to do something about the show at some point. I liked it. I thought it was it was fun. I thought uh, it was it was interesting. They had a nice little you know government conspiracy thing, and I thought the the girl who played uh, the Bionic Woman was ridiculously hot. She was and very hot. She couldn't act to save her life, but she was hot. I <laughs> she was didn't... clearly cast because she was hot, not because she was the best actress for the part. Well, she's she's a fairly well known British actress, which it actually really. It, it was kind of weird because I, that always gets me when you see somebody in an American production and they're doing, you know, they're, they're talking and, and they, they sound perfectly normal. And then you see them in it, you know, like, well, not perfectly normal, but they, they sound English. You know, they, they don't sound, they sound or, American. They sound American. And, and then you see them in an interview and they've got this like really proper British accent. And it's like, whoa, like, like <laughs> when <laughs> the first time I heard Nicole Kidman speak, it was like, what? Yeah, see, so let's put it this way. Or that was the, Australian accent, the, but. Let's yeah. put it this way. The British are much better at doing American accents than the American are doing British accents. Oh, oh yeah. Certainly. The other yeah, the other way around, man. It's just halfway through the movie, they just give up and just stop doing a British accent altogether. <laughs> Tiana Reeves is Jonathan Harker. Yeah. <laughs> Still, <laughs> yeah. But um, 
I, I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was fun. I thought it was interesting. I thought it deserved another season because they they definitely uh, it was left like all kinds episodes, of stuff. Something like that. Uh, it was short. I think it might have been ten. And, ten uh, more than needed, but oh shush. Uh, how, how about uh, now these next two i think were at, were at least successful for a few seasons when the outer limits came back in 1995 i thought it was quite good i mean the last mm. showtime season was kind of weak and the sci-fi season was really weak and you know, there's only like two good episodes out of that whole season that one tended to work because a lot of the same people who worked on the 60s outer limits were working on the 90s outer limits that's the same thing that happened with the Twilight Zone when that was rebooted in 1985. The first two seasons and maybe half of the third season were fantastic because obviously Rod Serling's dead at this point. But a lot of the people who worked on the original 50s and 60s Twilight Zone came over as producers on the 80s one. Now that's how you do it when you bring the same people over with the same level of quality. Oh, I love The New Outer Limits. That was a show that I watched the ever-loving shit out of. And it's another one that I have the uh, the box set of. I remember that show just scaring the crap out of me when I was a kid, too. Even the, um, what was the the pilot with, like, the, the red ants? The Sand um, Kings. With, Sand Kings. With, with as many bridges as they could get in there. Yeah, I remember um, when I first saw that. This was, like, it was pretty much brand new at the time. I couldn't sleep properly for a week. Like, and we were having like an ant infestation problem, uh, like at my family house at that time. And they were like, they were kind of red ants too. So I thought it was coming true okay. when I saw uh, that. So, and, and see, I had the same reaction since I'm a little older of yeah. seeing the Xanti misfits from the original series, the, the Xanti misfits, those ant things with human faces that ate Bruce Dern. You couldn't take out the garbage without hearing that noise accidentally being made by a car and freaking you the hell out. But yeah, absolutely. The I thought the Outer Limits, the original, because I went back and watched the uh, the older stuff as well, just to kind of get an appreciation for this show that I grew up with and really loved. Because it's like when I was watching it when it first came out, like I was maybe what third, like not even thirteen, eleven, twelve, and then continuing to watch it. And I loved it. And then as I got older and in my 20s, I just I rediscovered it and still loved it. And it's like, hey, there's a 50s version. I'm going to check this one out, too. And there's just so many great, you know, mess with your head episodes. Uh, there's one. Um, if you want to watch a genuinely good version of iRobot, you watch the episode from the from the Outer Limits, the one with the uh, the Android that's on trial. Yep. I forget what the specific episode is called, but it's it's great. It just. It knocks that pile of crap Will Smith movie just right out of the water. Two of the three things that James Cameron ripped off for the Terminator in The Outer Limits as well with Harlan yeah, Ellison's episode. the original one, right? Yeah, yeah, the, the soldier and demon with a glass hand. Absolutely. I, you can you can really see a lot of the um, the visual aesthetic of the future in the Terminator movies. The, okay. and of course the... Here, here's the thing. The Terminator opens with a war-torn landscape with random laser blasts coming mm. off in the distance as the camera pans across human skulls across this wasteland. The original yeah. Outer Limits episode, a wasteland with the camera panning across human skulls with a random laser blast coming out, and you go, yeah, James Cameron's going to try and say that these aren't the same. Screw you. Just go and grab the episode The Invisibles. You mm. want to see a conspiracy 
type thing done with aliens done right. The episode The Invisibles is so fantastic. Or I think it's the second episode of the show, 100 Days of the Dragon. Mm. The Chinese have come up with complete like life model decoys, and they're slowly replacing all of America's infrastructure people with Chinese robots that they'll control so they can take over the world. And you go, that's <laughs> almost more prescient today, isn't it? It absolutely is. Like The Outer Limits is a show. I was, I was talking about how Twin Peaks is a show that I felt was very ahead of its time for its time, but Outer Limits, to, to me, it still stands out so fresh in terms of uh, – science fiction even the 50s version like you the can 60s. see it was in 63 stop saying 50s i don't know it was black and white i just immediately call it 50s but yeah i'm not as familiar with the older show as i am with the 90s one but yeah i mean you know you have all these uh filmmakers that are famous today that like james cameron that you can completely tell ripped off stuff from the original show like like not even just kind of was inspired but use the visual aesthetic, like in Soldier, as you were saying. I watched uh, a bunch of the uh, new Outer Limits and a few of the new Twilight Zones. I uh, saw more of uh, the old Twilight Zone uh, in syndication and uh, some of the old uh, Outer Limits in syndication. But uh, I remember one night I was home and I was flipping channels, and that's how I found the, uh, the, the new Outer Limits. And I turned it on, and there's Alyssa Milano, and she's doing she's getting naked. Yeah, she's doing basically <laughs> species. And I'm like, all right, I, whatever this is, I'm watching it. And uh, and uh, and then I was like, OK, this is the new Outer Limits. And then after that, uh, you know, I, I was watching uh, the you know, because that was season one. And mm, that was uh, early I, season one, too. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I watched that, and that was uh, like, all right, that's that's a good introduction to the series. Anything with Alyssa Milano, you know, freaking taking her clothes off. Yeah, and then I've seen a whole bunch of them. Uh, I, I haven't revisited them. Uh, I'd like to. I, I'd be nice if they put them on, like, Netflix or something, because that's something where you could just binge watch a whole bunch of them. And uh, I, I think I, Universal I has the rights, because they're all on Chiller, so Universal uh, may have gobbled them all up for TV broadcast. But uh, yeah, th- it was it was good. I, I liked him. I liked those uh, uh, little, uh, I guess you could say, antho- anthology series. Cool thing about The Outer Limits, the 90s one, was that it was an anthology series with continuity. They had many mm. episodes that were sequels to other episodes. And every now and yeah. then you had a recurring character like Amanda, Amanda Plummer's time-traveling rape victim. She appeared in multiple episodes. So while it was an anthology series, it was also a continuity-based series, which I thought was... That's hard to pull off, and I thought they made it work really well. Yeah, that was really cool about it. Like, it's all these different stories, but then you you kind of start to realize that a lot of it, if not all of it, is taking place in the same universe. Yeah, and then... Which is really cool. And then you've got the Twilight Zone. Now, when I say the new Twilight Zone, I'm talking about the 1985 series. It was that horrible 2002 one with Forrest Whitaker that nobody remembers rightfully oh, so. Oh, I was, I was talking about the 2000. 2000- one with Seriously? <laughs> oh, it wasn't. No, I didn't say it was good. It was like I, I watched a few episodes. Those were I terrible. Mean, it, <laughs> you know, UPN I don't, one, yeah. Oh, that's right. It was UPN when they. When they well, hey, uh, it was it was no deadly games. You know the but uh, the, the 1985 series they came out kicking. They came out with episodes directed by you know these little known directors like Wes Craven 
writers like Ray Bradbury and Harlan Ellison, actors no one's ever heard of like Bruce Willis and Morgan Freeman. And the new Twilight Zone, the 1985 series, is fantastic. The stories, yeah, the special effects are not so great, but the stories are so good. You guys need to check out the 1985 new Twilight Zone episodes. They're fantastic. I mean, hell, the Grateful Dead did the new theme song. So I'd fast wow. forward through that. What are you, a Philistine? <laughs> the Grateful Dead. Like goddamn hippie crap. Ugh. <laughs> okay, now, now uh, how about ones that didn't work so well? Do you guys remember that Mission Impossible came back before the movies for two seasons no. from 1988 to 1990? Uh, I think I was, I may have been, um, I wouldn't say, like, it's, I would have remembered because I was watching... Outer Limits at that time, but uh, I, I don't remember a new Mission Impossible show. I remember the movies, for sure. I remember really liking the first uh, Tom Cruise film, but I don't remember the show. I vaguely remember... Like, I just remember that it exists, but I never watched it. It's It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. But, like what, they're, what they are claiming they're going to do with the X-Files, it was a continuation. Peter Graves played the same character that he did in the old show, and they even brought back some of the original cast members as now ex-agents, ex-Impossible Mission Force agents. So it was a continuation of the 60s show, which I thought was pretty huh. cool. It's just the stories weren't all that good. And then when they brought Dragnet back twice, they brought Dragnet back in 1989 for two seasons, and it was not bad. And then they hit it out of the park with the 2003 Ed O'Neill, Ethan Embry Dragnet. That series was great. Unfortunately, I never watched uh, Dragnet at all, so I can't really can't really comment on that. I never watched the old show, uh, and I I knew about the uh, the Ed O'Neill thing. Uh, with with Ethan Embry, who I, I liked both of them, but it was just kind of like eh, it was a cop show, and uh, I, I for I just didn't feel the need to watch it. You know, I did see the uh, I did see the Tom Cruise movie though, where he rapped. What about ones that they've done recently that just missed the point? Now I don't know if either of you grew up watching Ironside. Remember where where Perry Mason was in a wheelchair and solving crimes? Mm-mm. I only remember the original Perry Mason. I watched a bit of that, but I don't. Well, no, he wasn't Perry Mason. I'm just. I call him Perry. The I actor. call him Perry Mason in everything. So it's just the guy who played. Okay. Yeah, he, he's always so kind of like. Raymond I was like, Burr. oh, there was a yeah. there was a season of Perry Mason where he was crippled. That's kind of no. dark. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, it, it was just. just I, I don't care what Raymond Burr is in. In the Godzilla movies, he's playing Perry Mason, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, he's Raymond Burr is Perry Mason. You know, Raymond Burr was in a wheelchair, and he was a detective, and he solved crimes. Mm. Hell, he had one episode where he introduced this little girl named Jodie Foster to a magic shop owner played by Rod Serling. 
How surreal is that? Do you, you, you remember in the Kill Bill movies when you got that... That's from the opening theme song of Ironside. Interesting. That's where Tarantino took that from. Well, I mean, Tarantino takes stuff from everything, so I assumed it was from some old thing that he was using to, like, sound uh, exploitation-y. But it's, uh, it's cool to know what that's actually from. They rebooted this last year, Black Ironside. And this time, <laughs> he's throwing people off buildings. Remember, he's in a wheelchair. And he's all corrupt, <laughs> and he's beating confessions out of suspects. May I point out, he's in a wheelchair. Oh, my God. What is this, Mr. Legs? He's handy-capable. Cecil, I know you didn't watch it because you've admitted this. The people that made Creepshow 3, oh, shudder, <laughs> they somehow bought the rights to Tales from the Dark Side, and they're threatening to bring that back as a series. I love the uh... original Dark Side too much to, to sit back and let this happen. That and Monsters were, were fantastic. I watched both of them. Like That was my Twilight Zone, I guess you could say. Like, uh, like I was, I was, you know, I wasn't around when the original Twilight Zone came around, and then so I was kind of a kid growing up watching Monsters and uh, Tales on the Dark Side. And uh, so, yeah, I loved, uh, loved them. So I, I think that uh, that's something that uh, they're going to reboot, and they'll probably fail miserably, but I'm sure it's, it's inevitable at this point. Tales from the Crypt, yeah, but not Tales from the Dark Side. They're actually, speaking of Tales from the Crypt, they are thinking about rebooting that, too, and bringing that back. Um, I don't know if that's a good idea. Well, because you know nowadays the freaking Crypt Keeper will be CG. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. That's going to be annoying. I mean, it could potentially work in terms of the the actual stories. I don't know. I think they, they could do it, and it could possibly be pretty cool, uh, given if they, they got the right... Um, directors for each episode and the right writers for each episode because they're allowed to get away with so much more on TV now so they could probably really make some some cool balls to the wall horror anthology stuff but they'll they'll probably mess it up I'm I'm feeling pretty pessimistic about it what about certain shows that just can't be rebooted you just can't that they are of their time like to go back to this is turning into a David Duchovny's filmography episode but can you guys imagine if they tried Red Shoe Diaries today? <laughs> well, they they did in early 2000s. They did Chromium Blue, which basically was ChromiumBlue.com kind of a... is the official title. Well, okay, ChromiumBlue.com. The only reason I watched it because it had Summer Altice in it, who is mm. stunning, awful, and they and it, it was a little more of an ongoing story, whereas Red Shoe Diaries, Red Shoe was, Diaries total... was an anthology, and then it was David Duchovny, you know, was was reading the the it was the narrator. But <laughs> but, but here's the here's the weird thing about Red Shoe Diaries. Red Shoe Diaries was cable porn for women. It was female fantasies and female empowerment, but it was so softcore. I don't know if that can work outside of the early '90s. You know? No, there's no way. I mean, almost uh, a lot of reasons why I can't watch. I mean, I don't, I like, um, you know, one of my favorite genres ever is exploitation, but I get so bored of, of shows like, uh, of Game of Thrones, for example, just how there's like, there'll be like two to three graphic sex scenes per episode. And like, 
it'll be centered around that and then something really violent will happen and blah, blah, blah. And it just gets boring. Like I'm completely desensitized to it. I, I I'm they're... the same way. I, I used to watch Red Shoe Diaries because there's a whole lot of chick skin in that. And I, yeah. I, I picked up the DVD set about a year ago and went, my God, I know they're only 22 minutes long, but these are so boring. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's all reds and purples and it's all sexy and it's slow to saxophone music. And I'm like, holy crap, this is chick porn. Yeah. It's just the same thing over and over again, really. I mean, I know there are... Uh... A lot of people that like that stuff, a lot of people are into it. I know that I'm in the deep minority when it comes to stuff like Game of Thrones, but it's like the way I see it, just make porn. It's it's like fantasy porn, you know? There'll be a sex scene in a whorehouse, and then this person will have sex, and it'll, it'll cut in between sex scenes to another sex scene. Then somebody gets decapitated, and then some plot stuff, and then end credits. Like, you know, that, that that's almost what happened in the last two or three seasons of Sons of Anarchy. It was how many dudes can we rape in this? Seriously, yeah. I think I think the producers of Sons of Anarchy were working some shit out because I don't think an episode went by in the last two seasons where a guy was not raping a guy at some Marilyn Manson raped juice, for God's sake, in that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say they like I don't want to say dial it back because that sounds too much like censorship, but. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with uh, with a bit of subtlety and, you know, holding out a bit and making people wait for the messed up stuff to happen instead of just having it 100% all the way through. Like, that, that to me, just gets boring. No, if they did uh, if they did that, it would just be so corny. Like, people would <laughs> laugh. Like, oh, God, it's sad. Because like, everything in it has, like, a trope now. It's like, it's it's just such a cliche, you know. And, oh, uh, David <laughs> Duchovny's reading this. You know, he's the narrator. And, the, oh, the saxophone. And, oh, they're and, – and, and it's not uh, – it, it's not f***ing. You know, it's they're making love. You know? Yeah, oh, well, yeah. it's softcore. Yeah. It's it's all that. Well, no, I mean, but I've seen softcore where, like, uh, like uh, Sin City Diaries and whatnot, where it's softcore, but they're going to town. So it's like, all right, at least you know they're really dudes driving one home. But this, it's like, eh, they're kissing and they're touching, and it's like, get to the tits. <laughs> yeah, it'd be uh, it would just be a joke to to most audiences nowadays. They'd be like. Like what is this? No ass eating next. Right. <laughs> no. It's 2015. Get the <laughs> ass eating on the TV. Exactly. <laughs> now this was in the earlier earlier 2000s like 0304. They actually made a pilot to try and reboot All in the Family. Do you think All in the Family, which I think is a 70s show through and through? I'll just interrupt you. Dear God, no. <laughs> <laughs> All in the family needs to stay in the 70s, is what you're saying? There's no humanly possible way in any, like, that they would be able to do All in the Family. They they could barely even replay the old episodes they now. Can't. The old episodes get censored in syndication. Right. It's like, you know what, my if, if it aired back, like, uh, like... It's kind of like with the Bugs Bunny cartoons where they have to put like the, the warnings on there that there's like racial things. And it's like it, it, it's silly. It's like, OK, we understand this was the way that the world was back then. 
And by uh, censoring it, whatnot, you're kind of denying history, not making it right, just saying that this is the way that things were. If they were to take All in the Family now, they probably would do uh, they would do like a today spin on it, like what they did with the honeymooners. You know, they'd make a black honeymooners. So this they uh, they would they make actually, a, a black no, All in the, the Family. Uh, Cecil, I'm did not they? joking. I'm not joking. The All in the Family pilot that they made in the early 2000s. Oh, 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 wait. Oh, 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 I think I remember talking. Oh, yeah, Al ahead. Sharpton was playing Archie Bunker. No. Uh huh. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so they actually <laughs> did what you were just saying that they would probably do. That they pro. Uh, so yeah, that. Uh, it's so predictable. <laughs> Like really, just, like that's that's the best idea they could ever come up with. It's yeah. just like, well, we've got this show. It was really offensive back then. Uh, it was, you know, it it skirted a lot of racial lines. I got it. Let's, you know, let let's do a palette swap and and make it a, a black car, you know, a black family instead of a white family, and then we can just be racist against white people and get away with it. And it's uh, so, ah, it's just it's so predictable and so like. Like it's it's trying to be edgy, but at the same time, it's still like safe, tum- like Tumblr generation politically correct, and it's <laughs> to the point that it's it's just like cringy. Well, no, I didn't like Mr. Ed, the old '60s show. They tried for the the WB tried a Mr. Ed reboot mm. in the early 2000s, but and it was why? the same contri- It was the same <laughs> contrived crap. Like you know, Mr. Ed is great at stock market, so. Wilbur's got to figure out a way to have the stock market meeting in the barn so Mr. Ed can feed him the information. And it's like, okay, I get it. That worked as a 60s sitcom. That show doesn't work in 2000. Considering that there's a show on um, Disney Channel called Dog with a Blog. I don't need, I don't, a lot of people might not even remember the original show. But how about one of the most insulting millennial generation reboots that there has been? The new Beauty and the Beast. Oh, God. The original Beauty and the Beast show was from 1987, starred Linda Hamilton and this relatively unknown guy named Ron Perlman as the Beast. And a a giant Uh cat. Can I please, can I cover this one? Go ahead. (laughs) Because I I loved the original show. I thought it was awesome. And I didn't even know who um, Ron Perlman was at the time. But I thought the effects were great. It was it was like a cool show. It was kind of dark. It was kind of moody, at least from what I when I was a kid it was. Like it was a it was a cool show and I still um I still really respect the effects in it. I can't remember again, it's one of those things I'll remember an hour later who did it, but I know it was somebody who's done a lot of other cool stuff. But the new show, the fact that it even calls itself it is so Beauty. Twilight Generation, isn't it? The fact that it calls itself Beauty and the Beast. That's not a beast. That's a guy with like a little crayon line scar and he's ripped to shreds and he's handsome and he's got the side parted hair. Like that's beastly nowadays. Really? Are, are they that chicken shit that they can't actually make the guy ugly in some way? They can't make him kind of have like a Ron Perlman looked like a beast. He already did. Even with like without, even the without prosthetics. Makeup. Like, come on. It's, it's, is, I, I never watched it. I don't need to see a single episode of the new Beauty and the Beast show to know that it makes me want to stand up and pee on my TV. Like, there's no way I'm ever going to watch that crap. <laughs> to me, Beauty and the Beast, the, the CW show, is a perfect example of 
how most of these shows look as they get rebooted. They're rebooted for the millennial generation. Yeah. And that's the bad part. I mean, like, I have issues with the 2003 Battlestar Galactica reboot. I think they, they kind of did it right and they kind of did it wrong. This Beauty and the Beast thing, I hate to say it, that's the direction I think a lot of these are going to go. That's one mm-hmm. of the things I'm afraid of for the X-Files, to swing this back to the beginning. Like the, the last X-Files movie, they had the two sexy agents, the black FBI agent and the chick agent. I don't yeah. remember either of their names because they're that forgettable, but <laughs> they were examples of the modern style. So I just think I think the X-Files being brought back in 2015 is a major mistake. I said it at the beginning, and I need to repeat this. The <laughs> X-Files is a personification of the 90s zeitgeist. The 2015 zeitgeist does not have the same power for this type of show. Just create a new show then. It doesn't have to be Mulder and Scully. Just create a new show, which is kind of what I thought the X-Files should have done. I honestly liked Doggett and Reyes, and I thought season 7 and 8 of the X-Files had a lot of good episodes, but it stopped feeling like the X-Files. Mm-hmm. I thought I they should have canceled the X-Files, and then you could have had Scully on there, and the last two seasons of the X-Files should have been a spinoff. And I think that's the problem that people had with it, when it was first on is that it was still called the X-Files when it wasn't. That's what Mm. this new X-Files will be. It won't be the X-Files. It might be great. It might be great stories, great acting, but it won't be the X-Files. I agree. Um, I I really don't think uh, no matter what they come out with, it's, it's something that really is a product of its time. It's something that was so solid in its first six to seven or so seasons and when they made the movie, the movie sucked. They made the second movie. It was even worse. The last couple seasons were just bad. And I really felt like, I, I feel like I would rather they do a continuation of Millennium because that show was just dropped almost as quickly as but, it was formed. I'm not disagreeing with you on that, but doesn't the whole Millennium thing, that's also a product of its time, considering it was all... That was the zeitgeist of the late 90s, of the dread of Y2K and the coming millennium. I really don't yeah, but think they can millennium... still. I think they could still do something, like do some sort of a doom... Because, you know, with the whole, um, you know... I- religious... Iran getting a nuke or something. Yeah, like the religious fanatics that are going on about, you know, the end of the world coming. And they could do... Yeah, they could do something oh, with... Oh, Congress. Uh... So I think that could still be... And plus, come on... Frank Black was a great character. Lance Henriksen needs more work like that. I would much rather see something that had great potential, that still had so many great ideas it could have used, and for that to continue on, than to just, you know, cancel The Simpsons and cancel The X-Files. They've had their day in the sun. We've had a movie that sucked. We've had seasons that were forgettable to just plain bad. Let it let it go. That's That's all I have to say about it. Just let it go. Much like I said in the beginning, I think that um, if they did it with the same actors and, you know, a unique enough spin on it to kind of continue it in today's market where it would make sense, I would be all for it. But I think we all know it's not going to go in that direction. They're going to get two other people who kind of look like them, but won't have anywhere near the same screen presence because they'll be like 19. This just Mm -hmm. dawned on me. Am I the only one that thinks... Hank Moody was just an alias that Fox Mulder used when he finally cracked. Oh, uh, when he went to Californication yeah. and just boned everything. Just Actually, every yeah. that's just it. Every David Duchovny character is just it's evolving. Like Twin Peaks 
He went from Twin Peaks and then became Fox, Fox Mulder and then California. No, no, no. He, went, he went from Twin Peaks to Red Shoe Diaries, then yes. Fox Mulder. That's yeah, that's how he was transitioning into a man through Red Shoe Diaries. <laughs> he was transitioning into a man by showing chick porn. Yes. <laughs> I, I I think that probably because you know how Mulder was addicted to porn. Yeah. So maybe Californication <laughs> Mulder's like what he's thinking about as the porn that he's watching. Like he's inserting himself <laughs> into all these things where he's banging all these, you know, hot chicks and stuff. Where can people find you if they want to cinemasochize themselves? Cinemasochize. Okay, well, I was a bit vague last time, so I think I'll actually share every little bit where you can find me. I'm on Twitter, at Cinematica. I'm on Facebook, The Cinemasochist. I'm on YouTube, The Cinemasochist. And I'd like to also give a shout-out to the nice enough fella that was goodly enough to do the theme song for my show. He's an excellent synth artist. If you if you like you know 80s soundtracks like tangerine dream and stuff like that he does some really cool stuff like that he goes by perturbator you can find him on facebook as well uh you can find him on bloodmusic.com cecil if people want to contact the robot and get an automated response where would they do so they can do so at goodbadflix.com as well as geekjuicemedia.com. And you can find me at 1201beyond.com and you can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Buy a t-shirt, damn it. It helps support the show and I need the money. Go to 1201beyond.com. Go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME. Let us know if we are totally wrong and you think the X-Files 2015 will be great because I want to know how many people out there are wrong. <laughs> city. It's a city of crime. My name is Friday. I carry a badge. 3.15 a.m. Thursday, January 15th. It was chilly that morning in the city of Angels. On this particular occasion, we happened to witness a pagan ritual in progress. See that stream at? We're just in time. We have stumbled into a major crime. They got the girl off right. Now that's not nice. I think she is the subject of a sacrifice. Buddy, we're putting this party on ice. But first you know we really ought to read them that Read them their rights. Read them their rights. Well, I'm here tonight to rap about your rights. Because right now you're in trouble. Don't have to say nothing at all. Y'all got two calls and you better make them on the double. This is the city of crime. Don't step in line. This is the city of crime. It is our job to bust you all for being violent. While we are here, let's state it clear. You have the right to remain silent. Well, excuse me, comma, Mr. Crabstone, what is wrong with what you're doing? We just like to dance in our gold skin pants around this ancient ruin. Now it's not so funny that it costs big money if you ever have to hire a lawyer. It's my duty to inform you and my pleasure to warn you. We'll provide one for you. Serious crime. Oh, and you'll probably be doing some serious time. In case you
you might be worried about the friends you lose. At least I get to see you on the evening news. It's a new sensation. We go down to the station. You're going to answer some questions. And have some refreshments. What is your full name? What were you doing on January 15th of this year? All we want is the truth, mister. What were you doing in the location in question? What is the purpose of your pagan organization? Whoa, you can't spend nothing on me, Tama. Well, excuse me. Excuse me. Don't use abuse or refuse me. It's no joke. I'm broke. For my rights, I can and will invoke. I'm homeless and I'm lonely. But the state cannot disown me. I like to do things my way. Don't get memory lost about who's the boss. Don't forget, my name is Friday. Friday. I'm the man of the hour. The tower of power. I'm the arm of the law. The very last straw. I'm on the side of the right. A gleaming white knight. If you get me up tight, I am a... Right inside. I'm as strong as the army. Nothing can harm me. Coming down like a hammer. Get ready for the slammer. Radio Drone is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.